You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. While you were skipping stones, building forts and flying kites, I was missing school and all my Saturday nights. Other kids were climbing trees and rolling down hills. I was singing songs to pay my family's bills. Little me. Hello, I'm Mark Tuminelli, and welcome back to the Little Me Podcast. If you're not following our charming little Instagram, stop everything and head over to Instagram and follow at Little Me Podcast. I'm so excited that I get to welcome someone I've known for many years. He's a big old Broadway star and a Drama Desk nominee who made his Broadway debut at the age of 10 in West Side Story and went on to star on Broadway in The Mystery of Edwin Drood and She Loves Me and in the City Center Encore's production of Big River. He's appeared on TV in Bull, How to Make It in America, Greenport, and as Austin on the Backyardigans. And he is the world's greatest Charlie Bucket in my production of Willy Wonka at the Random Farms Kids Theater. Please welcome Nicholas Barish. Yay. Hey, Mark. Hi, Nick. How are you? I am good. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to have you. Um, also, do you know that you have a Spanish Wikipedia only? No, but some. I thought it was Italian. All right, maybe I'm just really bad at languages. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's actually Portuguese, Mark. No, I, I don't know. Well, I, you know, I was Googling you today and mm-hmm. uh, I was like, I can't understand any of this. No, I won't pretend that I haven't okay. Googled myself yet. Well, we're going to get you an American, good old fashioned American Wikipedia. That's right. I'm going to work on that for you. Gosh, gosh, darn it. Yeah. Um, let's jump right in. We're going to go a little out of order because I want to keep you on your toes. Okay. All right. Um, okay. A couple of weeks ago, She Loves Me was on PBS again. Yeah. And, and it was so fun to rewatch that. And it made me like love theater again. It was just like, oh, God, it's such a good production. But you played the role of Arpad opposite the greatest performers ever, Laura Benanti and Zachary Levi and Jane Krakowski. Let's talk about that show because it's it's had such an amazing life and your performance in that show is pretty brilliant. So tell me about how that came to you and all that fun stuff. Oh, gosh. Well, so I had worked with Scott Ellis before uh, on The Mystery of Edwin Drood and he directed uh, She Loves Me. And I think it came through on Backstage and my mom was doing her uh, due diligence and looking out for the parts for me on Backstage.com. Thank you, Lynn. And, thank you, Lynn. And she came across She Loves Me and Arpad and she said there's a role out there and there, there there's a show called She Loves Me. And so I was doing a show regionally at the time because of Winn-Dixie at Delaware Theater Company. Uh, shout out. And I started looking at the at the song and the show and who Arpad Laszlo is and all of those things. And I actually was prepared to send an email to Scott Ellis uh, asking him if I could audition for the part because I didn't know if I was going to get an appointment. Um, and I didn't have to. I ended up getting an appointment. I auditioned. Uh, I He actually, I don't know if he knows this, but he hugged me in the room and said, that's all I need to see. And I took that as, oh, there's no way that's I'm getting this, meaning really all he needed to see. I'm not getting this. He hates me. He hates what I did. Um, and I got the role five days later. I was heading into my uh, Spanish final in sophomore year, no, junior year of high school. Uh, and then I got to do the production. It was the most insane, dreamy cloud of a of an experience. Um, and that cast, I mean, it, it was ridiculous. Magic. I was 
magic. And you, did, you defied like kind of every rule about being a teenager on Broadway, having done this role of our pad and also um, the mystery of Edwin Drew, which we'll talk about in a minute. Cause teens don't normally work on Broadway. You're right. For you to do two big musicals at the roundabout on Broadway, it's kind of a big deal. Um, so you've like carved out a little world for you. And I say to my students all the time, I'm like, it only happens with Nick Barish. It doesn't exist. It's really hard to be. A, a and, and I mean, well, Rachel Resha, I was just listening to her, to her episode. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I did kind of defy. I also, I think I just look old. I've looked older from when I was 13. <laughs> I, you know, I don't know. I think puberty happened and I just became a different human. Um, no, but I was really lucky. And uh, I turned 18 during She Loves Me. I kind of I became an adult uh, during that time. And yeah, it, but I definitely had some years in there that were awkward, but more than my fair share of luck, for sure. So talk to me about the rehearsal process of She Loves Me a little bit, because being a younger person and being in the room with these like kind of giants of musical theater and Scott Ellis directing the show and the roundabout producing it, how comfortable are, do you feel to be trying things and to be playing around as if you were in your high school show or doing a show at Broadway Workshop? How does that feel being a teenager among, you know, those huge stars? Yeah, that's a good question. I, well, I, I mean, I remember the first day it was the, the uh, meet and greet and I literally, we were standing in a circle and we were all going and saying our names and who we were playing. And I just remember, I didn't know where to put my hands. I was like, do I put them in my pockets? Do I put them behind me? Do I put, and so the whole time I had no idea what anyone was saying. Cause I was so worried about how I looked to anyone anyway. Um, but your question was about, yeah, trying things. Fortunately, I've had amazing acting coaches throughout my childhood and teen careers. One of them is Joy Soprano. Um, but at the time, I was working with uh, someone named Dana Smith-Kroll. And we really would try out things in her living room before going into the rehearsal room. So I, I never felt like it was all on me. And I think there's you know a misconception about uh, doing things on your own and uh, and not asking for help. And that's that's that is you know separates the true artist but the true artists do ask for help and they workshop things with their friends or with coaches or whoever so i was really lucky to have people around me um who would listen to me and and uh i would try things but but in the room scott ellis was super open to all sorts of different choices so he never made me feel like there's one way or um, or it's his way or the, or no way. And how welcoming was that cast for you? Were they very supportive? Did they come around you? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Zachary Levi, I had a conversation with him in the elevator on the way up from that first day of rehearsal. I'll never forget. And Jane Krakowski, I was definitely starstruck. I had just so binged. Yeah. I had just yeah. binged 30 rock and all of a sudden we're like sitting on the same couch, like learning lines, learning the lyrics to a song at the end of the show. And she was like, okay, let's run it one more time. And I was like, Oh, okay, Jane, <laughs> like one more time. We'll run it. <laughs> No, but they were so welcoming and and Laura and Jane actually both started around 18, 19. They were both teen performers and uh, were on Broadway at a very young age. So they were so welcoming. Couldn't have been more. Welcoming. Watching Laura Benanti's performance in that show is mind boggling. The things, I mean, obviously she's very talented, but the acting choices, like she just spins everything on its head and approaches it in a way that no ingenue ever would. And it makes it so fun to watch. What was that like being in the room to watch that brilliant sort of spark? Oh, it was incredible. I mean, she's just so funny, I think. And her the lens through which she sees the world is very sharp and um, funny. And I think everyone had a had a different kind of humor. You know, Zach's was kind of this goofy humor. And Jane was this, you know, her quirky, amazing genius humor. And it all kind of melded together in this beautiful way. And and I, I watching the PBS version a couple of weeks ago, I did I did realize that it was kind of this larger than life show. It was it was the first time I was like, wow, this is kind of like almost fantastical in a way. It's kind of um, I think people described it often as like a a uh, an ice cream flavor or a you know deluxe kind of. And I did feel that way. So everyone kind of brought their own brand to it, and it it just worked. Yeah. What, who made the decision about the filming? How did that come up? Because obviously you've been in multiple Broadway shows, none of them filmed for television. So um, having this big moment where 
they're saying we're going to film this for PBS or future broadcast. How did that come about? Well, I remember, I don't know the exact details, but I remember- You don't know about the contracts? (laughs) (laughs) But I do know that Broadway HD was a new- relatively new venture at that point, but they had never live streamed a show. And so that I remember was the big thing. Like we're going to live stream this, which in retrospect, every performance of theater is live. But for some reason, the fact that it was live streamed made me so incredibly nervous that the, the, the version of the show you see is me just in total fight or flight fear mode throughout every I missed like two or three lines I almost ran my bike into the set I it was like watching a train wreck through my eyes I mean no one would know I don't think I would hope but I was so nervous and so that film that live that's like a the the version that's on Broadway HD is a live performance most of it (laughs) because we did we did three or four other shows that were filmed but then there was also the Lincoln Center version there it was like a succession of weeks that we were just Filming a lot. Filming She Loves Me. Every filming day. She Loves Me. Uh, I remember there was a different makeup team for PBS. Like, so, you know, my makeup was usually just pretty, pretty light. But I remember it was kind of orange for the <laughs> for the filmed version. I was like, wow, this is, this is TV. Welcome. Here we go. Here we go. Uh, um, no, but it was, it was a great experience, but also terrifying. What do you think when you watch it now? Oh, I just think, oh, look at that kid <laughs> having fun on a bike no I, I i truly have the greatest memories i was texting some of the cast during um during the stream of it and it was just it was just wonderful and i i i think i i'm giving myself more credit as the 17 year old that i was i think at the time i was very hard on myself um and just trying to be the best try me you know (laughs) um well your performance of try me is amazing and thank you you now all these theater kids you know around the world try to do it at auditions um because it's a great song i sang it for 100 auditions and failed miserably every time it's actually it's it's a great hard it's it's hard especially in an audition room because it's so out of context there's lots there's lots of things going on so i i give people a lot of credit when they do that project. Um, and of course you got to make a Broadway cast album. So that lives on forever. And your beautiful performance of that show is really like frozen in time that you have a yeah. cast recording and it's beautiful and you have this, you know, live film version. So yeah, everybody watch it if you haven't watched it or listen to Nick sing, um, try me on the cast recording. Gladly grow a mustache if you'd like, Mr. Marichek. Try me. Oh, I would even think of giving up my bike, Mr. Marichek. Try me for first-class clerking and conscientious working, Mr. Marichek. Why not try me? Um, and riding a bicycle on Broadway seems terrifying to me. It was terrifying. I remember in tech, Scott came up to me because I was having trouble with my launch out of the wings. <laughs> and he came we over to, to me. Your launch. Oh, yeah, my launch. And he came over to me and he was like, you do know how to ride a bike, right? And I said, <laughs> I said, yeah, Scott, I do. But I'm having trouble because this there's a small aperture. I don't think I used that word. But there's a very, st- first of all, I'm very impressed. You go to Columbia. I'm very impressed with aperture. <laughs> there was a small opening to get through on my bike so what ended up happening is we had this wonderful stagehand khaki give me just a little nudge just a little push so that i wouldn't you know be flailing my arms everywhere and crashing it but no it was terrifying and like i said the live stream version you see me skid because i'm going so fast with my feet it was could have been a disaster. That set was so incredible. It's the most beautiful Broadway set I think I've ever seen. Maybe like that in Sunset the first time, but so it's gorgeous, yeah. so impressive. So you got a Drama Desk nomination, an Outer Critics Circle nomination, and you won the Theater World Award for that performance, which is like that's yeah, kind of a big deal. And then you got screwed out of a Tony nomination because of Hamilton. Yeah, still hold, stupid, still holding a grudge. Stupid <laughs> Hamilton. Um, but yes, did you feel like with all these nominations, was that day like, oh God, this is going to happen? I definitely did. Well, I first of all, we had so many amazing supporting players that I literally, it crossed my mind maybe once because someone made a comment backstage and they were like, you know, they said I was going to win an award. I, it, it didn't occur to me until the Outer Critics nominations came out. And I was like, hmm. why am I on the, like, I literally, I was like, what? Um, 
And so, yes, you get some of that stuff in your head. But uh, I think the Theater World Award was was so special and because it really celebrated newcomers and lots of fresh faces. So it was all um, incredible. It's and all unexpected. a really special thing. Can you tell everyone the story about your prom? Yes. Okay. So I had a prom, as many do at their high schools. And I was going to be performing that night, which it didn't, for me, that wasn't a big deal. I was like, I'm on Broadway. It's okay. <laughs> no, but, um, but apparently just the cast got wind of it. And especially Gavin Creel and Jane Krakowski, who decided to throw me a prom backstage. It is really the, the sweetest, most generous, wholesome thing that's probably ever happened to me. But Jane went out and got booze and balloons and Gavin uh, rallied the troops and got everyone to wear their their prom best or worst and surprised me backstage and the stage manager right after one of our performances Scott pulled me aside and said uh, hey Nick we have to talk about uh, rehearsals for the Tony Awards and I was like okay and so he brought me downstairs and they were all there waiting and they went, happy prom! But I, I was so shocked. And it was also my birthday that, that week. So I was like, what are we celebrating? And who, what's happening? My parents were there. It was so incredible, but also shocking. And it was the greatest. And then I ended up going to after prom after. Why? I don't know. Nothing could top I that. I mean, nothing's going to like top Jane Krakowski throwing you a prom. Oh yeah, I slow danced with Jane Krakowski. I mean, that, that <laughs> in was- In the basement of Studio 54. In the basement of Studio 54. Doesn't I mean, get better than that, kids. Oh my God, that is top. So you did get to perform at the Tonys, um, yeah. even though you weren't personally nominated, The and you should have been. Um, the uh, Any other year, Nick, any other year, it would have yeah. been yours. Like you and Benanti would have walked right home with that. Okay, <laughs> so- um, so you get to perform at the Tonys. Tell us about that experience because that's very cool. Uh, it was very cool, very special. We were at the Beacon Theater on the Upper West Side. Um, and I just remember the day of our, our dress rehearsal, we got to watch uh, the cast of Shuffle Along perform right before us. And we were so, I mean, all of our jaws were just like, on the floor we're like it was just incredible and you know there's they set up tents outside on columbus avenue and you get to see all the different casts and their different costumes i remember audrey mcdonald walked by and you just know when she's going to be walking by because you like hear you hear the reactions like from the, <laughs> yeah, that was it. Um, and i was like oh that, that there she goes that's audrey mcdonald um no it was so cool i mean but also stressful. I mean, that that curtain went up and I had to hold a box and then I had to turn a, uh, a stairwell case thing that Gavin and Jane were standing on for the end of the number. And I had to make sure that they didn't fall. So that was stressful, but so fun. It's just like so terrifying to me to imagine me personally being a senior in high school. If everyone's like, and now you're performing at the Tony Awards. Like I was a mess. Like I couldn't find pants to match shirts. Like I don't, it shocks me every time when I, you know, these star kids, you have these experiences. Is it just sort of like, I got to just do it and you can't get yeah. out about it. Yeah, exactly. It's like, I got to do it. This is a show. And I think, you know, it helps when the other cast members don't know what they're doing as well. <laughs> you know, I mean, not that they, I mean, they're amazing Broadway stars, but there are moments where they're like, I don't know, what do you guys think about this number? Or what, what's going to happen when we do, you know, there was some, um, camaraderie and I didn't they didn't make me feel like a kid but I I did have to push those counters backstage into the wings to make way for the next number and I had never done that before that was an added thing for the Tonys and they were glass and I was scooting them around Laura Benanti who was warming up on a bed it was just yeah well wild. I'll go back and watch that Tony performance and watch Nick moving being <laughs> moving furniture stage manager very impressive um <laughs> what would you say is the thing you've you took away from that experience? Wow. Uh, I mean, the so whole shebang. The whole shebang. I think um, uh, to ground yourself, uh, find ways to ground yourself. Luckily, I had and have an amazing family who keeps me grounded um, because there's just a lot of buzz. And I think you can kind of skate along uh, in this dream uh, state. Um, but it's work and you show up. And you got to stay healthy and you have to, I think it's, it's the first time I really had a job and it was a big job and they were depending on me to deliver every night. And I felt that, um, in more ways than I had before. Um, 
and I think I also just learned to to give myself credit where credit is due. In retrospect, at the it, time I was. It felt like you were having the best time when I saw you in the show and we were hanging out after. It just felt like you were like, "This is great, and this show's good, and I'm proud to be in it." And it felt like you were having so much fun, yeah. And you were aware of how lucky you were to be in the spot you were in. Um, and you've always been such a nice kid and not obnoxious. So <laughs> I um, hope so. Thank you. Thank you to your parents. Okay. So in 2012, you're also on Broadway as a teenager. Yeah. Um, annoying every 20 year old, every young looking 20 year old in New York um, in the mystery of Edwin Drood playing uh, the deputy. Uh, talked, first of all, can you explain Edwin Drood to the people and me? Because no. I have a very hard block. I have like a mental block with that musical. And the production was amazing and you were great. And that cast was brilliant. But please explain that. It's a, it's a hard one to wrap your head around. I don't think I can explain it. But basically, it's a show within a show. And so you have the English musical. Oh, here we go. You're already, you're already, you're already you tuning me, me out. You see me fall. <laughs> I zoned out. I started like answering emails sorry so, so basically it's it's the english music hall aspect which is 1880s right so it's like a community theater troupe of actors putting on a musical version of charles dickens the mystery of edwin drood which has never been done before and um so you go through the plot of the mystery of edwin drood and then all of a sudden it ends because charles dickens died writing it so the latter half of the show, um, we asked the audience to determine who killed Edwin Drood, who is the mysterious Datchery character in disguise, and who do the lovers get to be at the end to walk off into the sunset together, which is a total, that's Rupert Holmes spinning his Spinning genius. his own version of it. Um, so who, is there normally a teenage boy in that show? <laughs> I don't know how what the age range. <laughs> like, like I said, Mark, thing that you were like in this show on Broadway, and it's not like you know, our Pat is a teenage boy who's working in the shop, and he's like sixteen or seventeen. You know, we get it, but yeah. I don't remember teenagers playing this part. So. I no, I don't think I would say young, early twenties, okay. teens. In the book, however, he is supposed to be like twelve. All right, so they went older for for the production, but um. Yeah, I was as shocked as as you were that that did, I did that appointment that. just come to you. Like, that, did you have yep. the job? Yeah, uh, went into audition for the team. I think there were three auditions. I had to do a, a, a private, which was lucky, a private dance call for Warren Carlyle. I've seen you dance. So. Oh yes, oh yes, it's a it's a sight. And um, there was some there was some shoulders, there was some bell kicks, there was right. some, and they told me in the room that I got it, which is another kind of Cinderella lucky story. Um, and I remember my knees kind of buckling. I was like, what? Um, so that was that was pretty cool and so in that show you started with stephanie block will chase andy carl jesse mueller and many other people and the queen cheetah rivera yeah who you became very close yeah friends. tell me about your connection with cheetah and how that all came together well i think she just you know i mean she's just such a lovable loving human and um she she kind of took me under her wing i would say she was just very giving and and i think you know, also she knew I was in West Side Story as a young kid. So I think that tickled her because here I was this 14 year old and we had done a show to, you know, the, the same show. The same show. <laughs> <laughs> but No, but she was she was incredible. She was my secret Santa, which I always bring up that story because she would deliver me little gifts and I didn't know that it was Cheetah Rivera. And then they told me it was Cheetah Rivera. And they later told me that she requested to give gifts to me. Cause, and that's the only way she was going to do it. Um, because I was a kid and she wanted to get gifts for a kid. That's fun. So what did she get you? She got me, which, Oh, do you see? It's actually behind me. That is, <laughs> we had to, write, I can't get it. We had to write out a questionnaire of like our interests and what we like. So I wrote Lord of the Rings apparently, and she got me a golem, like a golem, <laughs> oh my God. a golem action figure. I don't know. Should we just end it now? Like, no, this, this um, is, no. I think this is going to be my most streamed episode. <laughs> um, she also got me some candy, but her handwriting is kind of, you can't read it. It's, it's, it's very messy. And so I thought it was like, I don't know, a, a crew member or I don't know who I thought it was. She thought it was, but it was Carl. It was. Here's in the basement. 
It's Cheetah Rivera. Anyway, how did we get on this? What did you oh, ask me? Okay. I'm obsessed with you because when I saw you oh. in the show, she came over. She wanted to meet me. She told me I look like Matt Damon, which I'll never forget. <laughs> on my oh thinnest my day, I don't, but I'll take it. Um, I was fine with it, but she just went on and on about how much she loved you, how much fun it was to do the show with you. And, uh, well, I think it that started when we when we were chosen for the lovers a lot. So I was uh, an eligible bachelor to get chosen with either Jesse Mueller, Betsy Wolf, or Cheetah Rivera. Take your pick. Uh, was that the real? Was the audience? Did they really choose the? Yeah. Like they, summed it up and they were like, these are the winners tonight. Yeah. So for the Datchery uh, component, we actually counted votes in the audience. We went out and we counted people raised their hands and we counted. And then for the lovers and yeah, for the lovers, uh, it was by applause, but me and Cheetah, somehow people are perverse. They want to see a 14 year old with an 80 year old woman become it. the lovers. Um, yeah. Tell me some stories about doing that show and being out in the audience and having so many variables to deal with every night. Oh, I mean, I was improving with members of the audience at 14 years old, asking them to be my assistant in holding up cards that said the numbers of the murderers for my section. It was a lot to get out. And I was also speaking in a Cockney accent. So I, I had people refuse to get up. I had people who were asking me to repeat things. And meanwhile, there's like the vamp behind me. And I know that we have like 30 seconds to get these votes. And I have a clipboard and I'm writing down all the, yeah, it was a little hairy. And I had a wonderful wrangler, Felicia, and she you know would hold my my clipboard before i had to do it and bring was she me like on she was like in coffee? she was she was at the <laughs> she was at the back of the house waiting for me so i had i had moral support from all sides um but uh no that was that was nuts and also improving on stage with cheetah rivera i i was I got paired with her the first preview and she told me on stage to dip her. She whispered that into my ear. She said, dip me. And I was like, what? And she said, dip me, hold my back. So I held her back and she did a full dip down like her hair brushing against the stage and the rest of the cast like closed in because they were afraid I was going to drop her. And I was afraid I was going to drop her. But then every, you know, Every time we got paired after that, she would she made it a bit and she would dip and I would dip her. I don't know. Is that the, the term? She would dip? I think that's, I don't know another term, but neither <laughs> one of us are dancers. Um, so there might be something else here to know about. Uh, yeah. What a wild experience. Wild. Um, also, that cast is so incredible. Who else did you connect with doing that show? Well, I mean. Like nothing. They're horrible people. <laughs> Exactly. What if I said that? Well, I think they were all just goofballs and uh, but extremely talented goofballs. I mean, Stephanie J. Block, just the example she set singing, writing on the wall every night and God. belting her face off. Jesse Mueller was just so chill and relaxed about everything and just brought that component to it. She'd just be like, humming a tune right before heading on stage is so I've never seen someone so nonchalant about walking on stage and being a star for her doesn't it really does <laughs> um so I was, I was like hmm look at her um no they were all incredible I mean and I think the older folks especially were, were really fun to work with because of the breadth of of their experience Jim Norton yeah um was is a legend and yeah now you again were the only young person in that cast your understudy was an adult i'm assuming both of these times kyle um, kaufman yep. yes now um was like uh, balancing being an actual real life kid in this experience was that did that feel very different than what their adult experience was Cause kind of creating a musical where that every night the ending is going to be different were, were people taking care of you did you feel like um <laughs> <laughs> in the cast is what you're asking yeah kind of yeah i think again my family friend you know they were supporting me i actually had the time of my life because i was being tutored uh during freshman year of high school as opposed to going to school during the day doing the show at night so i had tutors come to my apartment where i was living with my parents at like noon and i would show up basically in my pjs and we would read for a couple hours and then i would go to the show and there'd be no homework or tests it was like ridiculous i mean i my dream it was it was ridiculous and then i'd come home after the show and play video games i was living my best life at 14 um 
which is so rare. But I think in in other situations where I've had to really balance a, a school workload, it was it was more difficult. Um, and you said you had a Wrangler in that show. Did you have a Wrangler in She Loves Me? No, I was no, okay. I, the, the threshold. So I, I think it's sixteen where you don't need a Wrangler anymore. Uh, so I was fourteen and Drude. But Felicia, I mean, she'll be the first to admit it. She was basically my my personal assistant. She didn't really need to wrangle me. I'd be like, hey, can you get me my chapstick? Hey, can you get me some water? And she couldn't really refuse. <laughs> so. <laughs> Like that, we, we all need a Felicia Wrangler. We all need Felicia. She would also yell at me to put my mic on because I was notoriously late. And at one point we had to talk to the stage manager. It was, it was a bit of a thing. But, Did you um, not want to do it? You're like, I don't need that. No, I would, I'm just a late person. I, I show up late to think I'm a chronic. It's just a bad habit. Uh, so I, it would be places and I didn't have my jacket on, my mic on, my chapstick, my the dirt I had to put on my face to make me look like a grave digger. So <laughs> I was the same way when I was an actor. I was like, they give you a places call so you can get dressed. oh it's time to get ready yeah the show's about to begin were you in the dressing room with like adults no i had a i had my own dressing room and it was actually the same dressing room for she loves me which was pretty wild yeah i mean don't get used to that nick (laughs) (laughs) believe me no um what a cool experience to get to do that and learn i bet you learned so much so that's like more than you could ever learn in four years of a bfa program i think so yeah um so in we're going way back we're going all backwards today i'm turning this podcast on its head in 2009 you made your broadway debut as kiddo in West Side Story, a role that normally is not in West Side Story. No, it is not. Um, and you sang somewhere in the middle of the Dream Ballet um, and also made that beautiful cast album, which I listened to in preparation for our, uh, yeah. our you sound, what a sweet little angel voice you had. Thanks. Um, okay. So tell me about West Side Story. It was your big Broadway debut. How did that come to you? Uh, I, I got an audition. I was pretty new to auditioning. Uh, Lisa Pitliak, who we both know and love, um, wow. was my manager. And it was probably the second or third Broadway show I had auditioned for at age nine. I had auditioned for Mary Poppins, I think. I was too tall. You know, I kept going out on them. And um, the audition was funny because my mom forgot my picture and resume. So we got kind of outed by the casting assistant and he said you don't have your picture and resume and all the mothers with their perfect you know headshot (laughs) resume on their laps all were throwing daggers at us and it felt you know it was a lot of pressure so but when I got in the room it was lucky for me Arthur Lawrence had just walked in at you know 91 years of age to sit in on auditions they had to ask me about myself because they had nothing to read in front of them so they asked me what shows have you done and uh, I didn't mention the one professional credit that I had to my name at that point, which was my voiceover role on the Backyardigans. I mentioned Willy Wonka Jr. at Random Farms Kids Theater. Excellent. Directed by me. Mark Tuminelli. In that, yeah, I said exactly that. Um, and and they laughed, I think, <laughs> and um, thought that was cute. And I sang the one verse of the song with my hands shaking I, I didn't even love the song at first i remember hearing it and being like lukewarm about one of the greatest songs ever written for the theater um, <laughs> i don't know it's not my not my thing and then I got the role two hours later. These are just all very <laughs> unique, rare experiences. I want the people to know that it's, it is this not isn't the way it goes. There's a lot in between. That so happens. that is a huge adjustment on a whole family. When you're yeah. a kid, book the Broadway show. Did you do all eight a week too? No. So I did six. Mm-hmm. I did six a week. Kyle, um, my alternate, did the other two. <laughs> got it. Yeah. Um, and so were you just in the Somewhere Ballet? Yes. Well, but in Washington, D.C., the out of town, they tried to incorporate this character more into the musical. Like a ghost? Like, a, like we don't know. I still don't know to this day. I was in the prologue for a bit, hanging out hanging out behind a fire escape, kind of looking at the guys rumbling. Right. The, the detective, help me out. Shruppy? Shr- nope. No, not nope. Shrank. Shrank. Yes. Shrank comes out and I got to punch him in the stomach, which Ooh. I don't think anyone saw because it was upstage. It was and, like there, back back and there were a lot of hot, great dancers <laughs> doing other things <laughs> downstage. So I don't think that that registered. I was also in the rumble. I got to watch from a yeah. from a uh, <laughs> not a fire escape. It was a ramp and anybody's was watching there and I got to watch next to her. So I was like anybody's. Square, squared two okay. 
Anybody's two. Anybody's brother? Anybody's brother. <laughs> just anybody's brother. But anybody's brother. Okay. Just anyone. Anyone. Okay. Um, and so did that all get cut? <laughs> um, some of it got cut in, in Washington. Yeah. So I think I no, but I still had the prologue on Broadway and the Rumble. Yeah. They just just glimpses of red hair flash across, across the back of the stage. So what is a what is a ten year old do for three hours every night that he's mostly not on stage waiting to sing at like ten forty? <laughs> we would do a lot of bananagrams, okay. uh, a lot of spit the card game. Oh yes. Uh, we again, I had a fantastic wrangler Libby um, who really really gave us art projects to do. Me and Kyle, so we'd always be up to something. I did get into a little trouble because I started to sing. <laughs> I started to practice my high note as a habit. Just every few seconds, I would I would hit the F. Can I do it now? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not warm. But I would just hit it just once every few seconds. And the people to our left in the dressing room thought there was a bird. <laughs> In the in the roof of the palace theater, the people to the left thought it was a video game that we were playing that was really loud and annoying. So there was a discussion that had to be had. They called me the pitch pipe stage manager. I had to have a conversation with my parents, and they were like, oh, "We're so sorry. He's just obsessing over this high note." Nick has to stop. No, I learned a lot in that show because it was also musically like so advanced and heady. And I think I, I learned the most um, just by absorbing and hearing it on the monitor every night while playing Bananagrams. Did you work with Sondheim a lot on it? No, I only saw him once. He was in the booth uh, for the cast recording. Uh, I don't think I ever met him, um, but uh, Bernstein's son was there. Um, and of course, Arthur. Well, tell us about working with Arthur Lawrence. Well, you know, I I I had a good experience because I was ten and he had to be nice to me. No, doesn't have um, to be. Doesn't have to be. No, I I mean, look, I I I did hear some stories after the fact that that shocked me, um, but a lot went over my head back then. But no, I mean, he's he is a genius. Um, I know there, you know, a lot of stories out there that <laughs> tell other other stories but no he was great i mean he i remember well, you could him being, be a genius and be like horrible to act sure sure they're two totally separate things yeah yeah, yeah. you'd be a genius and a serial killer <laughs> he was okay that's a different podcast no but we <laughs> we um he gave me one note i remember one time and it was to run off stage when the sirens go in the rumble and i couldn't hear him because people were talking on stage and he walked all the way down up the stairs to the stage to deliver this note to me through the kind of barbed wire that was down during tech. <laughs> I know it sounds scary, but it was actually, it was very sweet. And um, he really wanted to, to, to have FaceTime with me and, um, and pay attention to me. So my experience was good. Um, and so cool to have him in the room. I mean, I mean it's a history that you yeah. can't repeat. It's very cool no. to to get to do that with them. And was the cast very receptive of having a kid in the show to sing this big number? I think so. I think so. I mean, Josefina Scaglione, who, who played Maria, was 21. She's younger than I am now. Uh, so looking back, I, I can't imagine. She was also from Argentina. It was her first show in New York. I can't imagine what she was going through. But she was so sweet to me. And she would kind of um, give me a little shoulder massage as i say somewhere you know often that was very cool and friendly and consensual um no but it, it was very sweet it, i think there was a huge divide because i was 10 and yeah. the rest of the cast was in their 20s so i didn't really see them um there wasn't a lot of cast bonding that involved me <laughs> um but you they were invited all, to the party <laughs> i wasn't um, invited no. <laughs> yes. Out for drinks. So for your parents to see their kid, you know, on Broadway in the for the first time in West Side, have you ever talked to them about what that experience was for them? 
Yeah, I, I just talked to my mom about it the other day. I mean, she had to basically leave my sister and my dad behind and drive me. I mean, my dad did some of the driving too, but um, it, it kind of did split up our family a little bit. Um, everyone was on board and supportive, but she, my mom... <laughs> My mom got hives when she found out I I booked West Side Story. She literally broke out in hives for a couple of days because she her brain was like, "Wait a minute, my my ten year old's on Broadway. What does that mean? Like, uh, we we live an hour north from the city. Like, she couldn't wrap her head around it. And there was a lot of driving and a lot of sacrifice and, and a lot of waiting around. It's really a, hard. I, a lot of yeah. yeah. And they so they made huge sacrifices for me that I'm only now I think starting to uncover and, and realize yeah. and your mom's the performer which is how this all kind of sparked for you right yeah i, I did a community theater production with her the music man when i was eight years I'm old familiar <laughs> the the music man um it's a show uh and she played marion and i played winthrop and that was my first taste of theater um and then i started doing random farms and so what was it about you doing the music man that your parents were like he loves this we have to do more of this for him well, I think it was, well, I would sing every day since I was an infant in the house. So I think that was always on the, in the back of their minds. But after Music Man, I just loved, I loved the applause. I loved my little soft shoe I got to do on stage. I just loved it. I just ate it up. And Anya Wallach saw that production um, of Music Man and She scooped her right up. We got she you right scooped in me. So I started doing random farms, but she had also recommended Lisa as a, as a, as a manager. And so that kind of jump started everything, but I just loved doing theater. I was eight, yeah. nine, having the best time. So special, such a cool thing. How hard is it to go back to school after you do a year in West Side Story? Um, it's like doing a year in jail. And then you're like, wait, now I'm back <laughs> into real life. Um, how hard was it to readjust back to being a normal kid? So hard. I Well, I, I remember after Drood in particular, I was doing it my freshman year. I came back to my public school, regular high school in Westchester. Um, and I remember I wrote my college essay about it. I remember because the the paradox that going from signing playbills at the stage door to then sitting <laughs> on the getting floor pushed into lockers I, literally like in gym class like a, alone in a corner like no. at 8 30 i was like wait a minute hold on a second <laughs> i really liked what happened two days ago um so that was that was tough and also i think people had already formed their cliques and their groups and i was just out of the loop but i think i also used that to my advantage of like you know what i am doing this other cool thing i don't have to um I don't have to be here all the time and make these lifelong friendships right now. I think I had the perspective to be like, this is temporary. And did you do any of your school musicals? I almost did. I, aud <laughs> I auditioned for a production of Rent that I did not get into, um, which is another another story for another, another time. Story. But but I tried. I, I tried. And then in, in when I went to professional children's school the last two years, we moved into the city um, so I could complete school there. I did do a play. I did Almost Maine, um, which was really fun. <laughs> but there were no guys in the class. Um, so I had to do four or five different huge scenes uh which is a lot listen you're getting a lot of bang out of your buck there you go. <laughs> there's a lot of nick bearish on that screen. um were you doing the backyard against all, all through your like childhood years like it feels like it's a long it's a lot of episodes <laughs> but well it was i only did one season so okay. i did the last season i started doing it in 08 and then i did it through west side story and around when west side story ended is when backyard against ended too. And that was such a huge show. I feel like so many kids were so obsessed with it. Yeah. Oh no. Broadway meant nothing if Backyard Against was in the same, you know, sentence. It was like that was that was it. But also so incredible learning experience for me to do voiceover and kind of to do voiceover. Yeah, and get I, we, I would get the song like two days before. I would have to learn it, and they were complicated rhythms and time signatures, and they they changed. They had different genres for each episode. So there was like a salsa Spanish episode, and then there was like an English musical kind of episode, and then a you my know, god, it so prepared you for your life. Mariachi band. Oh, totally. <laughs> Um, you're also a pretty incredible musician. Um, you play piano, you sing. Like, where did all that come from? Um, well, I, I, I started taking piano lessons at age six um, with this incredible teacher. Um, 
uh, Alice Finger and uh, up uh, up in Westchester. And um, she definitely gave me the tools uh, to read music and so much more. Um, and that kind of prepared me. But I, I've always been singing and and um, I mean, you're mom- like the king of studio f- 54 below like there is 3000 <laughs> videos of you singing there there's one too many i would no, say it's or, great you have but, a great voice i listen to you sing all day long thanks no uh <laughs> yeah the, it's always been a part of me and definitely my mom being a singer songwriter um it's always just been we've we're big music appreciators in the house I love it. Um, talk to me about doing some film and TV stuff, which seems to be uh, like a big focus of what's going on right now. You have a movie called Low Tide that is on Amazon Prime, right? Tell it us is. about that. Um, so fun. Well, I, after high school, I got to kind of dip my toe into into that world. And I, you know, of course, I'd been auditioning, but uh, Low Tide was a, a cool kind of first venture as my first feature film. I got a fun little scene as a bully in the 80s we got to wear a polo shirt it was great um we filmed on a jersey beach on a hot day it's very fun and i also got to do got to do bowl which was which was also great but um yeah they're different mediums and i'm still learning i love both um i think that you know if you're a theater creature i think that the transition to tv and film is a little easier than vice versa Mm -hmm. but it also takes work because it's just a different it's a different skill set um but yeah i'd love to do to do more of that um and I have well, sending it out in the universe sending it out brilliantly saw you in big river at city center encores which seems to be like the scariest thing that a performer can do like be the star of a musical that you don't really get to rehearse and you have to do in front of five thousand people tell me yeah. about big river just so i have some inside scoop <laughs> also terrifying i feel like every other word out of my mouth is nervous scared terrified <laughs> um scared. during this podcast but that no. was that pushed me in ways that i i didn't i didn't know that things could be that hard (laughs) i lived a very privileged sheltered life yeah it was a huge part and i I was sick for a lot of the performances which was kind of a nightmare but the role and the show and what that meant and working on it was the most challenging and fulfilling thing i've ever done and might ever do um it was a huge workload but the director lear de bessonet and the stars kyle scatliff and Lauren Worsham and David Patu. It was just Christopher Sieber. It was another crazy starry learning experience. And um, yeah, we only had 12 days of rehearsal. It was truly insane. Um, And I showed up off book the first day of rehearsal because people were telling me if you do an encore show, you have to show up off book. So I listened to them and people were like, are you off book? And I was like, yeah, isn't that what you're supposed to, to do? And they're like, oh, okay. So then everyone else got off book and it turned into kind of a full-fledged production. I I don't know, but so grateful for that experience. Um, And I'm so sad that it it ended when it did. I just wanted to do it. I wanted to explore I wish they had made a recording. Uh, Me too, yeah. You should demand the Nick Barish. Like, no, I do musicals. I get filmed. I do a cast album. That's the only way. PBS, that's the only way. That's the only way. Talk to me about college. What are you doing? How have you balanced all of this? So for me, so I took a gap year. The The college audition process and application process was during She Loves Me. So I definitely put it on the back burner. I didn't spend a lot of attention on it, but it was good because I ended up taking a gap year. I was going to go to Columbia full time, but then I just, I was, I was kind of kidding myself because I, I, you know, come from a, a very educated pro-college family. And I think that a lot of people around me kind of expected me to do it. And I expected myself to go. I did end up going after my gap year part-time at Columbia and uh, so that I could also audition and work when possible. And I think it just, it became uh, this, it became a little hard because I was auditioning. I had to pull out of a semester because I was shooting a pilot. I had to pull out of another semester because I was doing a show at Irish Rep. And I think I, I, I got a little burned out in high school of the balancing act. I was like, I could do this balancing act for six, eight years, do this part-time, or I could do one or the other. And for me, it was career. Um, so I think in another life, in another life, I would have gone to it for your college and had that experience, but I didn't want to stop. I was fresh off the heels of she loves me. And I think I just wanted to keep growing and learning in that sphere and not 
go away and come back. But that's a personal decision yeah. and not for everyone. And that and was you just have to my do path. what's right for you and for, you know, people who are listening to remember that, you know, there's no one path to what you're supposed to be doing. And totally. Uh, you know, you getting into a good school like Columbia is great. Like you're smart. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's like balance and where your energy It's hard work being an actor who auditions and yeah. you know, it's really big part of the job is that you have to be available and have the time to put into yeah. it. But Nick, you are so brilliant. The world is like so lucky to have you on Thanks. Broadway, on film and all of the magic that you make happen. Um, and so I'm very thankful that you're here today to share your story. You're Thanks. such like a true joy. Oh, and this is so fun. No, it's so great. Okay. So we have to do obsessed and we have to do Broadway workshop. Quick okay. fire question. So Nick Barish, what are you obsessed with right now? What is like your thing? What do you want to tell the people about? Okay. Well, game of Thrones, we started, <laughs> we started in April we're on season eight, me and my family. I, it's so addicting, but also so brutal. So I won't plug Game of Thrones, uh, but <laughs> it's been Game of Thrones. Um, I just started season six of Shit's Creek. Oh, so it's good. the best thing ever. Um, Music-wise, I'm really into Eider right now, this band, and Joseph, both both fantastic. Um, yeah, and then we've also just been trying to catch up on documentaries and um we just did the John Lewis documentary and I knew next to nothing about him. And after that documentary crying throughout it, it was, it was pretty incredible. So highly recommend it's called good trouble. Great. Um, I am going to plug two great things. Um, McMillions, which is a documentary on HBO. Have you watched it? No. It's about the McDonald's monopoly scheme. And it was this inside thing where this guy was selling all the winning prize tickets. It's, like five or six parts on Whoa. HBO. It is so good. Okay. So give that a watch. And I'm also obsessed with Gaslighter, the Dixie Chicks, now called The Chicks, new album. Oh, is, I got to check that out. I it's love that. so good. I listen to it on repeat all day long. It is like brilliant. So check right, out- The Chicks. The, the chicks. chicks. You know, making changes. Let's yeah. Keep, yeah. Let's take down some statues and rename <laughs> our bands. Heck yes. It's like not that hard. Okay. Broadway Workshop quick fire questions. Are you ready? This is a list of questions put together by myself and a list and a small group of Broadway Workshop students, past and present. Okay. They're very easy. Go with your first thought. Great. Favorite holiday? Christmas. First Broadway show you ever saw? I think Tarzan. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Yeah, I don't Wait, know. Were it's you supposed to be in Love Never Dies and then you didn't do it because it was in London? Am I making that up? No, but I, no, well, yeah, I was down to the wires. Me and Zach Landis, I think, for for when it came to New York oh, and, and then it, it never, never came, came to New York. There we go. All right. Um, did you have braces? No, I was lucky. Um, one memory from Willy Wonka. Oh, uh, I missed my entrance one time and it was, it was like, I was supposed to be talking to Willy Wonka and Willy Wonka was left on stage with his cart. And I just remember I did a quick, ju I just did a little sprint out to him and then I delivered my line. I hope that's on video. Um, <laughs> first audition song. Uh, probably, oh, what's that song from Nine? Nine, the musical. Um, Getting Tall. Getting Tall, Amelia DeMaio. Oh, it's a great song. That's what I sang. Yeah, little kids, under 10, little boy sopranos, please sing Getting Tall. All right. Singing Guido, You're Not Crazy, It's All Right. Oh, so good. Favorite thing about being a ginger? <laughs> uh, just, I guess, be, being a ginger? I don't know. I, I guess I'm recognizable. Recognizable. Yeah. Good and bad. What level of SPF are we dealing with at the beach? Oh, 80 pl or plus. It can't be. Like 50 is like, mm, on Not the fence. Not going to do anything. No. If you can go back in time to do one performance of anything you've ever been in, what would it be? Probably Big River. If yeah. you had a yacht, what would you call it? The Nixter. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> Is Please delete that. You won't. Uh, no, it's great. Um, do you need time to think about it? Um, oh, yeah. No, no, no. It's the Nixter colon yikes. That's right. Did you see the Cats movie? Nope. Okay. Give that a watch. Okay. Um, what is your? What would be your superhero power? Flying. Yeah. Fill in the blank. My Wranglers were... Dedicated. <laughs> Your most recent Broadway audition? Uh, my uh, Broadway audition? Uh, I I do. Oh, uh, uh, oh, uh, well, the Ferryman was a recent one because oh. I love that play so much. That would have been but, good for you. 
Mm. Sorry. Yeah. Thanks, Mark. Um, okay. <laughs> in the Music Man, do you think Winthrop is Marion's son or brother? Well, in my production, son. Yes. No, they're they're siblings. Oh, I, is there is there a controversy? Oh, about there's that? a big controversy. It oh, only makes uh, sense like, that that is her son with the the guy who owned the library. I don't know. We can talk about it. I don't know about the guy who owned the library, but. You know, Madison Gymnasium, Madison Library. If you guys have questions about the Music Man, comment below. There's nowhere. It's a fan fiction. Yeah. There's nowhere to comment. Um, (laughs) All right. What do you want on your bagel? Uh, Lox, cream cheese, capers, onions, and tomato. Don't go near you after that. Pre show, (laughs) do you have a pre show ritual? Uh, Altoids, like wintergreen altoids. Just shovel a lot of them in your mouth. Strangest stage door interactions. Um, someone once told me that I use my, my hands a lot and during she loves me. And I, so for the next week I was like on stage, like a robot, like, I don't know what to do with them. So I was a little strange. So rude. One thing about Laura Benanti. Um, her voice is magical, but everyone already knew that. Um, your go-to album for a car trip. Oh, also about Laura, she would always laugh at me because I had to carry this huge piece of furniture out for the Christmas scene and I had to balance boxes on it and it was so heavy and she would say to me in the wings every night, don't you drop that, which would of course make me laugh and made it 10 times harder. Okay, what's the next one? I love that. Um, Favorite go-to album for a car trip? Uh, Right now, probably Muna. Their their album, it's, it's, uh, I don't know what it's called, but Muna. I'll check it out. Dream Roll. It used to be Jack and Into the Woods, but now I'm thinking like a Sondheim, like Sunday in the Park. Well, Into the Woods is also Sondheim. <laughs> well, but don't you think I'm a little, well, whatever. Well, you can still do it. Um, what Best opening night gift? Uh, probably, um, uh, you can cut out some of this time. <gasps> oh, I'm going to say Allison Simmet has a wonderful tradition where she gives little marbles, like these magic marbles. Um, to the whole cast and it's just so sweet so that i'm gonna say are you getting at oh no, she's i was thinking she just sent me this little card <gasps> with this little tiny recipe in it she's just she I, she is dream. yeah they threw out the mold she is incredible she's so incredible and i got to see her play jane krakowski's part in oh my Lovely. god wow i want blank movie to be a musical uh <laughs> the first thing i thought of was terms of endearment which would be a horrible musical but very, i think it might be like a west end musical I'm gonna <laughs> what role should patty lapone play and she loves me uh mr marichek for what, sure what is your favorite app uh message message <laughs> like for texting people <laughs> one role you'll never get over not being cast in uh jack and into the woods the movie Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Not that I had a chance. I know, but still. Weirdest experience as a child actor? Um, Probably when an unnamed choreographer dropped a pen and said, beat me, beat me, beat me, while dropping it. And I I was confused as to why he was so angry about it. Anyway. Okay. I'll call you when this is over. Um, Can (laughs) you name two real housewives? Absolutely not. Sydney and Courtney. If you can go back in time and see any Broadway show, what would it be? Uh, it would be one of the Rodgers and Hammersteins. So like Oklahoma, the original or something. Have you ever left a show at intermission? Never. Uh, nope, that's not true. I have with my mom once in a community theater production. We left at intermission and we got trapped because there was a gate. It was like a private property and we couldn't leave. And someone from the show came out to our car. Oh my God. Oh, it was a mess. So that's All the right. only one. Um, that sounds fun. Um, what movie can you watch over and over again? Um, probably uh, Freedom Rider, Freedom Writers, Titanic 2. One one thing people don't know about being a kid on Broadway. The discipline. I think people don't really know the discipline. Yeah. Tell me something about Leap of Faith. <laughs> I was just talking to a cast member about this. Um, Leap of, when I did Leap of Faith in LA, it was a wonderful experience. And I played tennis every day because we lived at the Oakwood Toluca Lake Complex. And I got to do tennis. I was so in shape. I was belting my face off Alan Menken ballads. I was having the time of my life. That's all I'm going to say about it. All right. Did you see it on Broadway? 
I did. Okay. Um, <laughs> that is a great way to end our episode. Nick Marish, tell the people where they can follow and find you and watch you sing and all that fun stuff. Uh, well, you can follow me on Twitter at Nick Barish and on Instagram at Nick underscore Barish. So it's a little bit of a, I think there was find. a, <laughs> it's another find. There's, I think a kidney surgeon in the area who that was taken Nick Barish, but anyway, you can find me there. Um, awesome. Nick, thank you so much for doing this with me. Thank you. Today. It was actually the most I've laughed in a very long time. So I hope you all listening to it at home and you can see how wonderful this young man is. And I can't wait to see him back on Broadway and on my TV and everywhere else. Um, guys, if you like the little me podcast, please remember to review it and rate it. That's five star rating only. Don't try to knock in any three, four stars. I'm not interested in that. Uh-uh. Uh-uh, give me five stars. Follow me at Mark Tuminelli and follow Little Me Podcast at Little Me Podcast. Thank you to everyone at the Broadway Podcast Network and we'll see you next week. Thank you, listeners. This podcast is produced by Alan Seals, Dory Berenstein, and the Broadway Podcast Network and edited by Derek Gunther. For more information on the Little Me Podcast, go to bpn.fm slash littleme. And follow me on Instagram at Mark Tuminelli or on Twitter at That Tuminelli. For more information on workshops, classes, and everything Broadway Workshop, go to broadwayworkshop.com. Thank you for listening. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.